Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, apps like Duolingo offer the tantalizing promise that learning a language will be easy and fast and fun. The playfulness of the apps turns language learning into a game to be mastered. On social media, you'll find people flexing their streaks. But do these apps work? And why is it so hard to learn a language as an adult? Tell us, do you use Duolingo? Or has an app helped you learn a new language? Forum is next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. In his latest piece for Slate titled, What Do We Even Want from Duolingo? Andrew Mosman writes, Two plus years of tapping and matching in Mandarin took me from zero to a very basic understanding of how the language works, though I understand frustratingly little of what my mother-in-law says at the speed of actual human communication. Yet I do not leave, lest I disappoint the owl. And I'm far from alone. So is Andrew right? Is this you? Have you tried Duolingo or learning a language from an app? And is it working for you? You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org, posting on our social channels at KQED Forum, or by calling 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And Andrew Mosman joins me now. Welcome to Forum. Good morning. Thanks for joining. Was this what first got you started on Duolingo, the desire to communicate with your mother-in-law in Mandarin? Well, I've been thinking about... um, taking some sort of instruction in Chinese because yeah, my, my wife is, is of Chinese background. Um, when we go over to the house, they mostly speak Mandarin to each other. And so just to, you know, get to do my part kind of, and get into the culture, I really wanted to, to start learning. Um, and I think like a lot of people that became a sort of medium term goal, a new, a new year's resolution type goal that you think about, but never really do. 
Uh, and so the, the good thing about, about Duolingo was that I did, I actually did start. I remember at the time actually thinking in early 2021, like, oh no, I've, I've missed all the downtime of the pandemic in 2020 when I could have been studying as if it was just about to end. And so you do say that is what it's good for, right? That it's really good at helping you get started. Can you explain why, especially for people who've never used it? Yeah, um, I was thinking in the shower this morning that Duolingo is sort of like um, the language version of a couch to 5K. You know, <laughs> it'll it'll get you off the couch and running a mile or two without hurting yourself, but it's not going to take you to running the half marathon, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It is... Yeah, it, it has a number of great features that make it easy for a beginner. It's free, first of all. There's a better paid version that doesn't throw terrible advertisements at you. But it's it's free. Um, the lessons are very bite-sized, um, you know, maybe uh, 10 to 15 questions per. Um, there are all these little app rewards, you know, it, that it gives you in terms of little coins that you can spend within the app and the daily streak that uh, you become proud of after a while. There's all these... Um, all these little sort of tricks to keep you uh, to keep you going, keep you learning. So from uh, from a point of um, learning from zero, uh, it's easier and a lot less intimidating than say signing up for an adult language learning class. Yeah, and it sounds like its gamified features can really suck you in. <laughs> yeah, they can. I when I was writing the piece, I, I started trolling through the um, the the Duolingo community on Reddit. Um, in part because I was looking for more examples of the silly sentences that it forms and asks you to translate. Right, right. And what I saw when I was there was a lot of people wondering out loud the same thing that I was seeing in the piece, which is sort of, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, you know, what am I doing here? Am I here for uh, the continuation of my language learning journey? Or am I really here because I want to keep my daily streak going and I want to uh, you know, beat these other people in my weekly league by getting more experience points. Like, is it about the learning or is it about the game? Yeah, because it sounds like it hasn't exactly enabled you to have a normal conversation in Mandarin with your mother-in-law at this point. And when I say normal, I mean, as you say in your piece, at the speed of actual human communication. Yeah, it, um, uh, well, personally, I don't know if everyone has the same experience. I find listening certainly uh, and speaking to be vastly more difficult than uh, learning to read or write in, in another language. Certainly that was the case, you know, taking high school Spanish and Swedish when I was a study abroad student for a, for a minute. Um, and definitely the case here in studying something like Mandarin that is so far afield from, uh, from English. Plus in Duolingo, you can kind of go as far as you want to challenge yourself. You know, it has, um, it has features. I don't think they're especially good, but it does have features where it asks you to speak and then, you know, into the microphone and the app tries to tell you whether your pronunciation was correct. Um, it has listening exercises, um, but you can also just opt out of those and do nothing but, you know, tap and translate back and forth between English and the language that you're using. So you don't, um, you're not obligated to push yourself, certainly, uh, to the level that it would take to actually be conversant with another human being. <laughs> I see. Well, let me uh, bring caller Ryan from Oakland into the conversation. Hi, Ryan. You're on. Hi, thanks. Um, yeah, what what you were saying uh, just now resonates with me because um, I uh, learned French as a teenager the hard way um, by being an exchange student in a town of 5,000 people where no one spoke English, um, <clears throat> which was extremely effective. And now I'm 
doing uh, Duolingo to try to learn Hebrew, and I've been doing that for, I don't know, my streak is like 200 days. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I have made some, you know, measurable progress. I can recognize the letters. I can um, understand a number of words. But at this point, I really am just doing it for the gaming aspects. So the gamification, um, the language learning goal has sort of been subverted um, to the gamification process. And uh, I don't know that I'm even retaining anything new anymore. I just um, don't want to lose my streak, basically. that That's what keeps you on it. You just don't want to lose your streak. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for the, for the honesty there. I guess, Andrew, one of the things I'm curious about is, okay, you stayed on it, even though, you know, you suspected that maybe you weren't retaining a ton to be able to have like a conversation, kind of like what Ryan is talking about. But I'm curious, when did those realizations or limitations about Duolingo for you become clear? Or or maybe a better question is, when did it start to kind of bother you? (laughs) I, let's see here. I don't remember exactly when, but but sometime I think in 2022, I um, completed Duolingo's pretty abbreviated course in, in Mandarin. It, I think it, the ones that they have for more popular languages for Americans, like like French, are uh, a lot more sophisticated. So at a certain point, I mean, I got to the end, and there wasn't anything else to do, no more vocabulary to learn. Just you know, the only way to keep up this gaming streak was to you know mess around with other languages just for fun. Or, you know, to try to get the stuff I'd already done to this legendary golden, you know, whatever game uh, level that they're calling it now. So certainly at that point, I had to wonder, like, okay, it's time. Like, if if I'm going to get any better, I got to leave this thing behind or at least use it a lot less. Um, so at, at, at that point, I think that was almost a year ago, I signed up and, and actually paid money for a, a different app. Uh, a more sophisticated one with more vocabulary that lets you use uh, simplified or traditional Chinese characters and have these longer stories that you have to read. And it's significantly more challenging. It, it, that's not a speaking app, but it's a more challenging reading and writing app. Yeah. Um, and it, and I use it, but I still used it a lot less than Duolingo because I would find myself pulled into Duolingo because it's something that my wife and I do together in the evening, or I didn't want to lose my streak, or I would get you know in a friend's quest with somebody else and I didn't want to let them down. Yeah. Well, uh, let me read this comment from Jamie who writes, I've been using Duolingo for several years. In fact, I have a 399-day streak of practice. It's a very fun way to learn and includes listening, speaking, writing, and watching periodic videos, which are entertaining and amusing. I'm impressed at the way the app has evolved and become more sophisticated over the past two years. My husband is learning Japanese, and I am learning Spanish. It's increased my confidence in speaking and my ear for pronunciation. It's pretty funny to hear the dings, which sound after you complete each exercise in a lesson. Oop, there it is. <laughs> I heard That's my husband it. practicing in the bathroom this morning while I was still in bed. We are definitely a Duolingo household. Cute Danny. Danny's our engineer. Well, let me bring uh, Joshua Hartshorn into the conversation. Assistant professor in psychology at Boston College, Hartshorn actually directs the language learning lab at Boston College. Joshua, thanks so much for being with us. Sure. Happy to be so I assume you're not totally surprised that uh, Andrew has not become fluent in Mandarin just from the 
app, even if the company, as Andrew writes, crows that its courses are as good as multiple semesters of college instruction. But I mean, it's hard to learn a language as an adult, right? Can you talk about why that is, Josh? Um, I mean, I wish I knew why. Uh, there's, <laughs> you know, know how. <laughs> we know how. We know it's certainly true. Um, and there's uh, potentially a lot of different things going on, right? So, um, you know, one thing that we suspect is going on is changes in brain plasticity that make it harder to learn as you get older. Um, but there's also um, something that I think that is relevant to what's come up um, that adults have a choice in a way that kids don't. So um, so we took my daughter to, to Taiwan last year for a few months and put her in daycare. She's, she was four years old at the time. And she was either going to speak Mandarin or not have friends, right? Whereas as an adult, I mean, I was there too and working and I could speak English all day if I wanted to mm. because I could just hang out with other people who spoke English. And everybody I was working with spoke English. So I had the choice and it was, you know, I ought to have practiced my Mandarin, but it was easier to speak English. But there is hope in some of the research where you found that while it is easier for kids to learn, and maybe it is the peer pressure piece of it that really is part of what drives language acquisition, that the window for getting to the point of learning a language to say native speaker level is longer than we thought. Yeah, so so it looks like you can start as late as about ten or eleven years old and uh, and be sort of indistinguishable from a native. Um, and part of that is because uh, it seems like learning rate continues to be pretty good up until maybe seventeen or eighteen years old. But you know, well, that's what people focus on. I think there's another thing here that is in, in some ways like more relevant to most of us. So I assume probably most of the listeners are past that seventeen eighteen age. <laughs> Um, which is that actually the effect of immersion versus not immersion is uh, is actually qu quite a bit larger than the age effect, right? So if you have the choice between being an adult and uh, going to a country to learn a language or being a kid and trying to learn it, you know, in school, um, go to the country as an adult. You'll do better. We're talking with Joshua Hartzone, who runs the learning language learning lab at Boston College, and also Andrew Moseman, a writer who's written for The Atlantic, Fortune, and Outside, was the former editor of Popular Mechanics, and has written a piece called What Do We Even Want from Duolingo? And that's what we're asking you, our listeners. You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on our social channels on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram threads at KQED Forum, or by calling 866-733-6786. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Among its many jokes, the Barbie movie features a character who is using an app to learn Spanish poorly. The joke gets a knowing laugh, probably because, according to Duolingo, it has 500 million users around the world. But do these language learning apps work? We're talking to users and experts. We're talking to Andrew Mosman, who wrote a piece for Slate called What Do We Even Want from Duolingo? Josh Hartshorn, assistant professor in psychology at Boston College, who directs the Language Learning Lab at Boston College. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation. Have you used an app to learn a language? How has it gone? If you want to try out your language skills on air, feel free. If you suspect that maybe you aren't becoming proficient, what keeps you on it? What keeps you on an app like Duolingo? Or what would you like to know about the way we learn languages? I want to bring into the conversation now Maria Carrera, executive director at the American Association of Teachers of Spanish and Portuguese. Carrera was formerly a professor of Spanish at CSU Long Beach and the co-founder and co-director of the National Heritage Language Resource Center at UCLA. Welcome, Maria Carrera. Pleasure to be here, Mina. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. Just before the break, Josh Hartshorn was saying immersion is really the best way to learn a language. So given how hard it is, is that really the absolute best way to learn a language as an adult from your experience? So I think we need to back up a little bit. And the title of Andrew's article is great. And it gives us a great starting point, I think, about how to go about answering these very complicated questions. So the title, what do we even want? Let me stop it there. That's a critical question when you decide you want to learn a language because there are many reasons to learn a language, right? Um, So maybe people want to, you want to travel this summer. You want to travel to Italy. And so you pick up Leolingo to prepare for that. On the other hand, uh, there might be people, I've met people like who, want to read the Iliad, Homer's Iliad, in ancient Greece, Greek. Now, (laughs) that's quite an ambitious project, but keep in mind that it means that you're not going to have to speak or listen to the language. And Andrew correctly identified that maybe listening and speaking are the hardest tasks. <laughs> On the other hand, right, you might just want to use it for work purposes. And there you have to differentiate too, because maybe you just want, you know, you're an international business person and you just want to introduce yourself to your partners in the target language, in the local language. But when it comes down to doing business, you're doing it in English. Yeah. Maybe you want to give presentations. That's a harder task now. Or maybe you want to negotiate. That is the hardest task. My point is that you have to start out with a clear picture of the end point. Hmm. A lot of times people think, oh, I want to sound like a native speaker. Well, Joshua already talked about the impediments to that, right? Their age impediments and then their contextual impediments, like where are you learning a language? But really, 
it's not so much about sounding like a native speaker or even approaching the amazing abilities that native speakers have, but really about getting to do whatever it is that you want to do. Good Andrew point. wants to talk to his wife, right? So he's going to have to pick up the language that, and his mother-in-law, actually, he's going to have to pick up the language that will enable him to do that. Does he need to learn how to write an academic essay? No, he needs colloquial home vocabulary. So you kind of have to be smart in asking yourself, not only what do I want at the end point, but what is it that will get me there? You have to kind of differentiate the pathway that you follow to get to that endpoint. Yes. Well, let me go to caller Rochelle in Pacifica. Hi, Rochelle. Join us. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I had uh, an amazing experience. Uh, I've been to France twice as an adult. The first time I did not speak word one of French, and it was a certain experience. The second time we went, I decided to uh, go on Duolingo, and I studied daily for six months before going to France, and it was such a different experience. Now, my I could read about a thousand words. I could communicate about a hundred, and I could understand about ten, if I was lucky. But it was as though a filter had been lifted, and mm. I could read signs, I could fill out a form, and there happened to be a strike, and I could communicate our needs when I needed to, to get a bus ticket. So I, it just made all the difference in the world, and I would never travel to a country where English was not the primary language without, ha, without doing Duolingo again. It was, it was absolutely worth the time. Well, Rochelle, I, I'm glad that you had such a positive experience with it. I mean, Maria, I understand you're trying to learn Portuguese, and are you using Duolingo to, to help you do that? I have, in fact, used Duolingo, and I used the paid version, by the way, because <laughs> I wanted all the bells and whistles. And um, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting story. If I may have a few uh, minutes to um, tell you how that worked for me, I had studied Portuguese a long time ago when I was a graduate student, and now you have to understand that Portuguese and Spanish are very, very similar to each other. So, really, what I needed to do was refresh my memory of what I had done as an undergraduate many, many years ago, as well as um, see similarities between the two languages, which would help me communicate better, you know, learn vocabulary. And so I had, for professional reasons, signed up for a Portuguese course in Portugal, which happened last month. And I was kind of foolish, and ahead of time, I signed up for the advanced level course in Portuguese, thinking I can get there between January, which was when I signed up, and June, when the course was to be taught. Well, May came around, and I had not done a thing, 
And so I said, oh, my God, I better start looking into this and reviewing the Portuguese I knew before, refreshing it, and then preparing myself for an advanced level course. So I went on Duolingo, and actually, I found it to be a lot of fun. Um, Andrew mentioned some of these features where you get kind of competitive with others, where there are little games that you can play. Play, But at the same time, it's true. The translations you do are rather silly. And more importantly, you don't get the chance to interact in the language. Mm. What is called in the business of foreign language teaching and learning, negotiation of meaning. When you say something, maybe somebody doesn't understand you, or maybe somebody wants you to say more about a topic. And then you that in that going back and forth, we know that that's where the learning takes place, especially when the going back and forth forces you to stretch beyond what you can do on your own. Yes. Well, let me read Ben's comment. Ben writes, it's definitely about the points and the streak and not disappointing the owl. My wife is from Argentina and I'm an English only speaker. My kids are using Duolingo and yes, it's about the game, but I think that's okay. It keeps them interested and practicing until we can graduate them to more intensive instruction. The most important tool for me to speak Spanish better is a couple of glasses of wine because I speak more freely when I'm less worried about making mistakes. When visiting Argentinians, this works out beautifully. So, Andrew, this reminds me a lot of what you were saying in your piece about the ease that tech provides. And you actually say that one of the other reasons besides the games and the fun that we may use Duolingo is that we have a desire for technological ease to take the place of human connection or maybe human vulnerability. Is that what you meant by human connection? Just sort of like the discomfort sometimes that can come from trying out a new language with other humans? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't have the, the word count to go down every thread in the piece, obviously. But, but one of the natural questions that I think um, that comes up from it is, you know, well, if if this is your struggle and you want to get better, like, why don't you, you know, try talking more to your mother-in-law, to your wife, to the the people who are fluent Mandarin speakers around you? Um, and yeah, part of the answer is is that's hard, <laughs> and it's easy to sit there and play Duolingo on your phone. Um, you know, there there is a certain um, uh, going going back to the list the um, listener call about, you know, how a glass of wine loosens you up. I mean, there's a good reason. Like speaking in an, another language feels very awkward. And there's a, there, even though everyone knows you're learning and doesn't have the same expectations that you put on yourself of being good at it all the time, um, there is still this sort of shame and awkwardness in being bad at something and being bad at something so publicly in front of other people. Yeah, I love this line from your piece where you write, the awkwardness of screwing up in front of strangers butchering their language and sweating while you raid the mind's dusty corners for a verb conjugation is not to be found here. Duolingo happens mostly on the couch. <laughs> Maria, that also... Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Do you want to say more about that? Oh, yeah, just I, that that's sort of the idea that I that I became fixated on when I was, as I was writing a piece about myself and, and clearly seeing this feeling um, in other people is just that you know, you know, you need to open yourself up to that vulnerability to get better, but there's a social anxiety uh, reason that that you don't, and I think we all understand that. Uh, well, 
psych professor Josh, do you want to weigh in here? Do you think that's also operating in terms of our as a, an impediment sometimes to our language acquisition? Um, I don't have systematic data, but I'll say my experience is exactly <laughs> Andrews, uh, that uh, that it's you know scary and awkward, and uh, um, again, it's easier to just not do it. Um, and that's part of why I meant earlier that I think that you know one of the advantages that little kids have over you know us adults is little kids really just don't have the option, right? Their their parents put them in a situation they're just kind of stuck. We have the ability to, you know, hide basically, and obviously, you're not going to get better at something you don't practice. And I do think that that is, you know, one of the things that people like about the apps. Certainly, is that um, I mean, you the only audience is yourself. Yeah, and Maria, you can kind of open yourself up to experience a little bit of vulnerability and and even shame when you're learning a language. I I was especially intrigued by the fact that you focus on heritage language learners, like immigrants, kids, or people whose parents maybe spoke another language and you grew up hearing it in the house, but maybe responded in a different language and didn't become fluent yourself. And how sometimes you can be made to feel bad for that. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about what heritage language learners often go through when it comes to trying to learn a language and and why they may not speak it, especially around native speakers? Absolutely. And this all relates, by the way, to the uh, native speaker idea that, oh my goodness, if I don't sound like a native speaker, if I don't know absolutely everything that a native speaker knows, then I have failed. And that's what happens to heritage speakers. Heritage speaking children are children who grow up speaking another language at home. So immigrant children, children of immigrant, immigrants, uh, grandchildren of immigrants. And they're actually pretty good at communicating their needs in the home context, which is exactly what Andrew is striving to to be able to do. However, because they don't have the full range of exposure to language that native speakers have, they don't develop the full range of capabilities. Now, remember, Joshua told us that it takes a long time It takes a long time for a human being to learn a language. You start from even before you're born because you're hearing the sounds of your language. And then we know that language acquisition can extend as long as 18 years of age and vocabulary continues to grow beyond that. Uh, As you um, expand the range of exposure that you have to language, what happens to heritage speakers is that they grow up speaking um, their language at home. But then when they start school, because they live in the United States, school is done in English. So that means that the amount of input that you get to your home language diminishes drastically at an age where you're still learning your mother tongue. Mm. So you end up with a lot of skills because in order to communicate in the home environment, boy, you have to have a lot of grammar and a lot of vocabulary. But you actually do not learn all of the skills that native speakers acquire because what happens is you don't have the opportunity. You don't find yourself in the complex environment of language use that native speakers find themselves in. Because of that, 
heritage speakers are frequently shamed for not speaking their language well enough. And it creates huge problems in the language learning context in schools. Teachers are not prepared often to deal with them. So teachers focus on what they cannot do as opposed to what they can do. And normal people are constantly criticizing them. But let me point out that one out of five children in America are heritage speakers of another language. That's an astounding statistic. And it's something that can be a great resource for this country in terms of diplomacy, in terms of business, international business, and even business here in the United States. But these children need to develop their language capabilities, and they need to feel good about using that language. Hmm. So be nice and make sure that you are stressing what you do know so that you're not necessarily falling back on, on an app that feels safer. And let me go to Greg, who's in Berkeley. Hi, Greg, join us. Mina, if I may ask... Oh, I'm sorry, just uh, right I'm after sorry. Greg here. Yeah. Go ahead, Greg. Hi, everybody. Um, let me set this up really quick. I'm in a unique situation. I'm Italian-American. My wife is Roman-Italian. My daughter is, is binational, also bilingual, and in second grade became trilingual when we moved her to a French immersion school. I mean, stunningly conversational in three languages at eight years old. And it was a really interesting thing for me to learn Italian as she was. She was learning it from the, from the cradle, and I was learning it from the marriage. And it really brought up a really interesting thing that I had trouble with, with trying to use Duolingo to catch up on my Italian. And this was that the Duolingo didn't give me any real immersion in the acquisition of the language, you know, the neuro-linguistic, the, the, the stimulation from all the other senses around you. I've learned way more Italian working with my mother-in-law in the kitchen than I have on Duolingo uh, because of that depth of sort of immersion in other senses. And I was wondering if any of the speakers speak to, like, what a game like Duolingo or Babel something like that could do to to make up for the fact that it's only auditory. Mm. Do you have any sense? thoughts on this, Josh? Oh, man, I was hoping you were going to ask Andrew first. Um, <laughs> so I think that um, I mean, certainly the, you know, the real life experience we just know seems to be, you know, much more effective um, uh, at promoting language growth. And part of that is also that you are, you know, Duolingo or, you know, really any educator is trying to make some guesses as to what things you might need to know how to say. Um, that's not going to work nearly as well as actually running the situations where you need to say them, right? So if what you want to do is talk to your mother-in-law in the kitchen, um, Duolingo is not, you know, is not uh, optimized for that. We will have more about learning language from an app, why we do it, not just to learn a language, but also why we like doing it with an app. Maybe it's linked to the vulnerability of trying it out in public. <laughs> Andrew Mosman is with us. He's a writer. Josh Hartshorn, directing the Learning the Language Learning Lab at Boston College and assistant professor of psychology there. Maria Carrera, executive director of the American Association of Teachers of Spanish and Portuguese. And you, our listeners, are with us. Stay with us for more. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Thank you. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about learning a new language with an app like Duolingo, which has 500 million users worldwide, according to the company. And we're looking at why we do it, not just want to learn new languages, but why we may like doing it with an app. We're joined by Andrew Moseman, whose piece in Slate is called What Do We Even Want from Duolingo? Josh Hartshorn is assistant professor of psychology at Boston College. And Maria Carrera is executive director of the American Association of Teachers of Spanish and Portuguese. You, our listeners, are telling us if you've used an app to learn a language and how it's gone for you, what keeps you on it, even if you suspect it might not be making you super proficient. Uh, What questions do you have about how we learn a second language? Email forum at kqed.org, post on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads at KQED forum, call us at 866-733-6786. This listener writes, I've been on Duolingo for over 520 days working on Norwegian. I'd say that the only way to be totally fluent in a language is to live in that country. I am far from being fluent in Norwegian, but I think Duolingo is a wonderful tool. When I last visited Norway, I was able to read signs and understood some things here and there. The challenge is tackling Duolingo at the end of the day when I'm really ready for bed after working all day. Languages are all about practice, practice, practice. Speak to your dog. I guess that's one way dogs aren't going to judge you. I guess that's one way to get at the vulnerability. Maria, I know you wanted to say something earlier. What was it that was on your mind? Well, I I wanted to say that words are really important. And that's one thing that Duolingo does well. You want to learn vocabulary. It's a great place to go pick up words. And we know that you need to have a certain vocabulary threshold to communicate in a language, but words are never enough, are, are not enough. You have to put them together into sentences and into the wider discourse. And that's where the interaction comes in. You need that real life experience that Joshua was talking about, that negotiation of meaning that I brought up earlier. So it's a tool, but like every tool, it's limited. It'll give you some things, but not everything. Yeah. And Josh, we're getting a lot of questions about um, other apps, alternatives to Duolingo. And I know you've said that you're not necessarily a huge fan of it. So so what have you tried that works for you? Yeah, I mean, I've tried Duolingo at various points, including back when it started, because I'm a big fan of Louis Fanon, the creator. Um, mm. But um, but yeah, I didn't find it to be super helpful. Um, for So the language I've been working most lately is Mandarin for learning to read and write. Um, I love Scritter Chinese, um, which is just like a great like flashcard app, basically. Lately, I've been really intrigued by this uh, somewhat newer app called LingQ. Um, so LingQ's, um, like the way they do it, uh, they're, they're sort of like, 
let's not do flashcards. Let's not, you know, have drills. It's basically just read stuff. So it is a reading based app. Um, they have a lot of like built in articles for you to read. And basically you just flag words that you don't know. Um, and it'll help you find new articles that have, and you just click on it to get the meaning. It'll give you new articles that have, uh, you know, words that you've been trying to learn. And the idea is to like, just, you know, practice those words in context. So you're getting the sentence structure too at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what's neat about it is they're able to scale this to sort of arbitrary languages. And also you can add your own articles. So if you've been you know, reading something online, so if you're more proficient and you're reading things online, you can like snag an article and make that part of, um, you know, what you're being taught through LingQ. Um, I think in general, uh, you know, I've been talking with some folks at one of the big tech companies that's, you know, of course, everybody's interested in trying to figure out how to use you know, chat GPT or the large language models for language learning. And I think this like move towards things that are more interactive like that, um, you know, does a lot of, you know, what Maria was talking about. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going to make a much bigger difference also because, you know, there's, there's knowing a word, knowing a rule and then being able to use it fast enough to matter in conversation. I mean, it's striking when you mean like, you know, one of the reasons you have to talk so slowly or read so, so slowly to a small child is they just don't have the practice. You may be using only words that they know, but it takes them a while to, you know, recognize the meaning of the words, recognize the meaning of the sentence. And, you know, we are the same way as adults. It's only after you've, you're basically, um, as a proficient speaker, not creating, you know, entire sentences from the ground up. You're using you know, snippets of you know, phrases that you've used before here and there to, uh, to construct sentences more quickly and you just don't get that without lots and lots of really really interactive practice. Well, Allison writes, I'd like to put in a good word for The Mixer, which is a language exchange program free through Dickinson College. You can meet up with people all over the world who want to practice their English and are native speakers of the language that you want to learn. I've been doing it for six months with Spanish speakers all over the world, and it's a wonderful way to practice in an immersive way at home. One of my language partners and I have become such close friends that when I did go to her country, she invited me to come to her home. For people in the older generation, it's almost like a pen pal. Another listener writes, when I think about the dumb games on phones, solitaire, candy crush, maybe it's okay to make the game about learning a few new phrases in a foreign language so you can order a Fanta in Taiwan, (laughs) a Fanta in Taiwan, or translate sentences like the dog likes pizza and cauliflower. Yeah, Andrew, and you say you had no intention of trying to do like a hit piece on Duolingo when you wrote this, but but I do think that you do have this concern that you are hearing from people around you that Duolingo is a better way to learn a language or a best way to learn language. And it sounds like you are just becoming more and more convinced that that just isn't true. Yeah, I... You know, like Maria was saying earlier, I think the important thing is knowing why you're doing this and what your end goal is. Um, and because that will uh, that will help you ask yourself, you know, when you're on Duolingo, like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for fun? Am I doing it really to get good? I don't think there's anything wrong with Duolingo at all. And, and I, I can't really um, argue with the thesis that they often put out there, which is, you know, hey, instead of using uh, your 15 minutes free to waste time playing games or, or doom scrolling or, you know, going through Instagram, do this instead. It's actually a productive thing. Uh, that, that is true. Uh, you know, doing lingo, doing Duolingo is better than doing nothing. Um, it's, it's really just, 
you know, if you have that true goal of getting good at a language, you know, maybe not, um, you know, aspiring to uh, sounding like a native speaker, like Josh was saying, but, but to really get proficient at it, um, Duolingo, I, people will, will say, you know, even the language instructor is like, yeah, I'll give this out as, as homework, as practice between lessons, as part of a broad suite of things to help you get better. I think it's absolutely useful if you're doing that and you're going to class or you're going to the Dickinson College, you know, mixer and you're, you know, watching YouTube videos in, in the language you want to learn in order to get better at listening. It just can't be the only thing. Yeah. Do you think part of it for you is a concern that we we started sort of starting to see tech as as better than or capable of doing so much more than it that it really does that we're investing in the promise of tech in a way that might be a, a little short-sighted I, i'm thinking about this new yorker piece um that was about louis fanon the the person who started duolingo and they were talking about which Josh touched on the fact that they're going to use you know GPT four uh, to have conversation partners and so on, so that you can do the more conversation part of this. And I think he said something along the lines of AI would eventually make computers better teachers than people of you know languages. And so you know, I'm just wondering if. If it's some of that that made you want to write this, definitely. Uh, one of the things that I really got stuck on when I was when I started thinking hard about it was this this central irony that's at the core of of something like Duolingo, which is, you know, why are you learning a language? You know, unless it's to read, you know, the Iliad in the original Greek, it is the fundamental point of it is about human connection, and yet increasingly these tools that tell us they're the best way to learn a language are pushing us further and further toward interacting only with machines. You know, the chat GPT thing is, is uh, a really interesting example because it, it does have potential in the sense that it's a much, uh, it's, it would be a much more active tool than, you know, just sort of tapping away, doing um, matching on, on Duolingo. If, if you were talking to, you know, chat GPT and, and therefore you had to actually articulate your own thoughts into sentences rather than just translating Duolingo's. But at the end of the day, you're still talking to a computer. Yeah. Well, Krishna writes, tandem helps you get in touch with learners who want to learn your language. So it is a symbiosis. I made two friends in Italy, have weekly calls with them and even visited them and stayed with them in Italy. Coffee Break Language is another program that is also useful. This one is more structured language learning, but also organizes learning groups and live interactions. So we're hearing some interesting recommendations around ones where you are engaging with people. Let me go to Sirpa in Berkeley, who's on the line. Sirpa, join us. Thanks for waiting. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Okay, great. So I'm an applied linguist and a total language aficionada. I've been teaching ESL and Finnish for decades. And mm. I just ran some beginning Finnish workshops in Duluth, Minnesota last week. And I was surprised at the students who claimed to have studied with Duolingo not being able to respond to my very simple questions like how, hi, how are you, and so on. So that was, you know, a downside. Then, um, and I also wanted to mention that to me, listening is the hardest skill. 
Because when you speak, you can totally monitor your own outputs. You can, you know, use the vocabulary you know. You right. can, you can use structures you know, and so on. But while listening, you know, you have, you can't monitor the other speaker. Yeah. And um, my third point: I did Duolingo Italian last spring just to refresh my Italian. I speak it to some extent, and I got hooked to the competitive aspect very fast. <laughs> and I was wondering if the other, other. Other, you know, people running for number one were in Europe, and I was trying to time my lessons so I would be able to beat them every day. And so, and but I got tired of the animals on Duolingo, you know. Who cares if the elephants all at the zoo drink wine or water and so on. That was, you know, really weird. And the fourth point, I have gotten my grandkids. They are bi and trilingual, basically, and their boys, eight, nine, and ten, one in California, one in Italy, but they have gotten to use Duolingo. It's like an online game for them. Mm. And I thought that's so much better than doing something online. Some well, silly games. So. Yeah. Well, Sirpa, I appreciate those those four points and, and uh, the insights from those. Let me see if I can bring Iver into the convo. Iver from San Jose, thanks for waiting as well. You're on. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I've been using Duolingo pretty consistently for the past five months. Um, I started studying Japanese again. I hadn't done it in 20 years. I took Japanese in high school. Ooh, I'm sorry. Your line is clicking just a little bit. Maybe try to call back on, um, call back on a different line or just try us again. Let me remind listeners that you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Maria Carrera. Josh Hartshorn and Andrew Mosman, all about language acquisition, learning languages through apps, and why we do it. Andrew Mosman's piece for Slate is, what do we even want from Duolingo? Um, a couple questions coming in. Charlie writes, how do the guests evaluate the Slow News language program for learning a second language? Huh, anyone familiar with Slow News? Okay. I don't know that. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, there's a number of different um, you know, outfits that will do slow news, right? So it's they just read the news slowly. And um, I love it. So I've used that for a bunch of languages. Um, so I you know, use like time at the gym as an opportunity to listen to another language. But I certainly can't. There's Maybe I can listen to the news in Russian. I can keep up with that at normal pace, but not in any of the other languages I know. No, I think it's great. I love it. Uh, let me go to Freddie in Sunnyvale. Hi, Freddie. You're on. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I wanted to make a comment about um, a service that I've been using to maintain my language learning. And um, it's a platform that maybe people who feel like they've maxed out on Duolingo can move up to when they're learning a language, but it's called Preply, um, P-R-E-P-L-Y. And it allows you to set up a FaceTime, like a, a video call, with someone around, like anyone around the globe, basically. And I've used it to connect um, with Spanish speakers. And it's beautiful because you have a real interaction with somebody and you, yeah, have more of a symbiosis, like one caller said, more of an exchange. And I also got to, to meet that person when I went to that country. Um, and it just, it provided for um, a more personalized lesson plan, you could say. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for telling us about that. Um, I'm going to see if I can try Iver again. Hi, Iver, go ahead. 
Hey, can you hear me better now? I can, yeah. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll try to make it short. So I, I'm studying Japanese for about five months. Um, I did Japanese in high school, and I lived in Japan for uh, a summer as a student exchange. So I got a lot of immersion. immersion. I got uh, a lot of exposure early on, but I didn't use the language for over 20 years. Um, so now that I'm studying again, I found a lot has come back, but I am learning a lot of new things. And um, something about like sentence structure has finally clicked. So even though a lot of things are, are, are silly ideas and concepts that they, they have you repeat, I've been finding it really useful. And especially for writing systems, learning the, the Chinese characters has been very challenging in the past. Uh, but I'm finding a lot of joy in getting, uh, a set, and, I, and I supplement it with other studies like on, on websites to understand the characters more and get more of like a cultural insight as to how certain concepts are held. So I've, I, I really enjoy it for that aspect as well, especially with learning how, like writing systems. It's, it, it can be really challenging. Well, that's great, Iver. Um, glad you're having such a good experience with it. Elizabeth writes, as I hear people talking about all the common languages they are learning, I have another reason people might use Duolingo. I'm trying to learn Greek. And the local community colleges where I studied French and German years ago don't teach Greek. There just aren't that many options. Good point, Elizabeth. You know, one point that may seem obvious, but we haven't made, and I think is worth making, Maria Carrera, is... Why we should learn a foreign language or a language that's foreign to us? Why we, we should learn a new language, what it gives us? Well, I want to start out by saying that it's really difficult to learn a foreign language. So it's quite a commitment. Generally, we think, oh, I can learn it quickly. I can use one tool and learn it. But that's not like that way at all. So it's quite a commitment. And so what is the payoff? Oh my goodness, so many. We've heard so many things from the callers today, going to another country, being able to communicate. If you have a language in your family background, reclaiming that language, learning about new worlds, being able to read things in other languages, being able to make mistakes and learning how to recover from them. Believe me, that's a very, very useful skill. And we know the cognitive effects that come with learning another language too. And so there are many reasons to learn a foreign language. But if I, for just one second, want to go back, Mina, to something you read at the beginning of this program. Yeah, we just have 20 seconds. Yeah. The Duolingo made the claim that it was as effective as multiple semesters of college instruction. Well, that's true, because college instruction is not that effective. Learning a language is hard. <laughs> well, thank you. That's that's a really good point. And, and you actually kept it way shorter than 30 seconds, so thank you. Um, I think we have one caller on the line. Anita, you literally have 10 seconds. Go right ahead. <laughs> All I want to say is that I speak seven languages. Duolingo really is about opening people's minds, making them feel connected to the world, and really that's that's the main reason. Yeah, it's a worthy app. And so many people that I wouldn't have expected are connected because of that. And that's more important than anything else. And let's not forget, that's what it is. Andrew Mosman, as you have done in your piece, the piece is what do we even want from Duolingo? Andrew, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Josh, Josh Hartshorn, thanks as well. Happy to be here. Josh of Boston College and Maria Carrera, really appreciate you, American Association of Teachers of Spanish and Portuguese. Really appreciate our listeners. Really appreciate Grace Wan for producing today's segment. You have been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.